uh, I don't know. <laughs> like it could my mean brain like, isn't quite awake yet. So oh yeah, my mine either. That's why I'm talking about copyright enthusiasts. I never, I never talk about this. I must have dreamed about copywriting stuff or something. Hmm. Because <clears throat> I'm still, you know, I think I'm still in the dream state. Honestly, Eric. Yeah, me too. What are what are we gonna do about that? Well, I don't know. Let's have a dream episode. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, um, so, I didn't have a dream last night. Oh. Did you? Jeez, I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, well, that concludes our dream episode. <laughs> <laughs> This is old news, but I wanted to touch upon this because I know there were a couple of weeks where we uh, were out of commission. And um, this is old news. This is about a, over a month old now, but oh. I wanted to get your take on this. So okay. just so everyone knows, yes, we're talking about something that's that's old here. You heard about Billy Corgan uh, talking about Kurt Cobain's death. Did, uh, did you not? Wanna go for no, it. I did not. So he made this... Um, he made this, uh, th there's this quote. He made this quote. <laughs> like he just, he just draws. Is there anything he can't do? Yeah. Is there anything <laughs> he can't do? He was, in, he was being interviewed by uh, someone and uh, he said that he cried because he lost his greatest opponent when Kurt, Co Kurt Cobain died. And he said that Kurt had so much talent. It's like frightening. And a lot of people hmm. got mad about that because okay. what it sounds like, like he's more concerned about the fact that somebody was uh, perhaps more talented than him. And so it kind of, a lot of people were like, Oh, Billy Corgan's just jealous or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't really see it necessarily that way. I think he's just kind of acknowledging the fact that Nirvana and smashing pumpkins are perhaps, I mean, I I've always said me personally that I think if you're talking about, cultural impact you know so we're talking mm -hmm. about mainstream commercial appeal we're not talking about personal like like if i said my most important album from the 90s i'd probably put like a fugazi record up there or something you know what i mean mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that's a personal opinion you know but if you're talking just wide nirvana's never mind is basically i think universally for the most part probably the most influential 90s record out there you know mm-hmm and then I always said that I think number two is either Melancholy or Siamese Dream. I would say yeah. Smashing Pumpkins would be number two. But anyway, I just wanted to get your take on uh, on that because uh, I thought that was interesting. A lot of people, Billy Corgan does get a bad rap, and I think uh, oftentimes there's there's a reason for that. And so I don't know. What do you think? Does that sound like uh, Billy Corgan being a uh, hmm. a bitch? Well, uh, uh geez, uh, whoa. Um, yeah, I know, I know. I, I, went, I, I hard went there. There at the I, end. <laughs> I, I went there. I went there. Well, everyone knows that Moist Boys 2 was the best album of the, of the Oh, nights, my so. gosh. Wow. <laughs> 
that is definitely up there. <laughs> moist, moist. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily think Kurt Cobain is more talented than Billy Corgan. No, I, 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 I mean, I, I agree. I agree. I think Kurt Cobain was cuter. <laughs> well, yeah, he was definitely makes more attractive. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see why people would be mad that uh, he was talking about someone's death and then made it all about him. Uh, sure. You know, that's not the coolest thing someone could do. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I love Nirvana, and I, and like Kurt Cobain seemed. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm just going to come out and say it. No more malarkey. I don't know. I don't think he seemed like a cool guy. I just got to be honest. I, I've watched Billy Corgan of, or Kurt Cobain? Kurt Cobain. Yeah. I've watched a lot of interviews. I've seen him interact with his bandmates. And he just seemed kind of um, aloof and cocky and... I don't know, like he used uh, emotional shortcomings as excuses to get out of, I don't know, being a good person. I don't know. I mean, I know I'm breaking all the rules. I'm not supposed to talk about Kurt Cobain, but he never really seemed interested in uh, discussing his craft or what he did or things that, I don't know, like he just didn't seem as uh in touch with who he was it was kind of like a, a character and i'm not saying billy corrigan hasn't played a character in the past but i'm just saying i get the sense that billy corrigan is a musician who worked hard and and developed his craft and never stopped doing that and didn't rely on um you know the kind of cult of personality maybe that kirk did because well because he couldn't. <laughs> I don't think people liked Billy Corgan in the same way. I don't think they wanted to associate themselves with him or dress like him or, you know, I know that all sounds terrible. But um, anyway, I guess what I'm getting at is I can see how Billy Corgan could view Kurt Cobain as, as a rival of sorts and not just record sales and not just that style of music or whatever, but just as a creative force like um i don't know who else was at their caliber at that time you know green day i think number three hands down would be dookie you yeah. know what i mean i think billy corgan unapologetically wanted to be a rock star oh for sure kurt cobain kurt cobain apologetically wanted to be a rock star mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah then, the, uh, old, the think... old reluctant messiah that guy yeah, the old reluctant Messiah, which which also comes to, brings brings another point uh, to the table, which is it it's so weird how we do idolize death in famous individuals and how in in rap music, if most rappers are being interviewed and they're asked their top five favorite rappers, it always has to be Tupac and Biggie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It always has to be like, you have to put those in your top five or else you are just completely scrutinized for it. Hmm. And I just think that that's kind of ridiculous. I'm not saying that Tupac and Biggie were not talented rappers, but yeah. I don't think that they are the be all end all of the genre. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I'm going off on a tangent here, Eric. I mean, the Fresh Smith is obviously the best one. The Fresh Smith? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's great. I like that. The Fresh Smith. Yeah, Will Prince. You know him. Yeah, Will Will Prince. Dude, is there anybody called... Well, check this out. Uh, <laughs> William Oldham, Bonnie Prince Billy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Will Prince. Why doesn't he go by Will Prince sometimes? I don't know. He blew it. Yeah, yes, he did. Probably he doesn't really want to get uh, mixed up with with the Fresh Smith. <laughs> the Fresh Smith. Dude, you could he could have so many more <laughs> aliases. So I wonder if Bonnie Prince Billy was influenced by his name Will Olden, which was influenced by mm. Will Smith, which mm-hmm. was influenced by the Fresh Prince. We're going down a rabbit hole here, you know. Wow, we're going down a Will Hold Holdman. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the video of uh, you know um, Montel Jordan's "This Is How We Do It"? I don't. I'm not sure. Actually, <laughs> this is how we do it. Dude. This is dude. how we do it. Anyway, you ever seen the? <laughs> Did they add in? Was that the uncensored version? <laughs> I don't know. That's how I've been singing it. This is how we do This is how we do it, fuckers. Did you? <laughs> Have you ever seen? That's good. Fuckers That's is great. such a muscatine term. Like, it come is. on, man. <laughs> Who says that? All right, you fuckers. Come on, fuckers. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's oh a conspiracy God. theory. Yeah. That links um, Montel Jordan, this is how we do it, to ISIS. And how they do it is they show the lyrics <laughs> of this is how we do it. And uh-huh. then it puts together the IS at the end of this and then is together. And it's like, does Montel Jordan know something we don't? Uh-huh. <laughs> but the, the sound that it makes when it pauses, this is... It's like the law and order. <laughs> Are you still there, Eric? I th- it sounds like you left. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, I? I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, no, I was muted. Yeah, that, that's... Yeah. That's what it showed on the screen. Sorry about that. I, did I cross a line? I was looking at Will Oldham. I was looking at a picture of him. And then I was thinking about, because he looks kind of like, uh, let's see, the dude from Rock and Roll High School. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. Rock and Roll High School? I, I saw it a long time ago. I just remember, what, does he look like Joey Ramone? <laughs> no, he looks like... He looks like Paul Bartell is his name. Oh, Hold my on. God. They're like twins. Paul Bartell? At, yeah, Paul Bartell. Okay. Hold He's on like a, a second. I think he might be like the drama teacher or something. Yeah, but no, he looks just like Will Oldham. Paul Bartell. Uh, let's see. How do you? Oh, yeah, he does kind of look like him. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, in that movie. Yeah, okay. He kind of looks like him. Yeah. You know who I always thought he looked like? No. Who? I always thought he kind of looked like uh, MJ Dunlap from our high school. Oh, wow. Huh. 
Yeah, you know him. You know MJ, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. He's he's a listener of our show, I believe, or was. Yeah, probably maybe, not now. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> he's just like I'm not telling him he looks like Will Oldham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bonnie oh, Prince MJ. Yeah. By the way, you should never I, tell I, anyone I, to look I, like I would... anyone else. <laughs> it's that's never, true. It's that's never true. good. People always used to say, well, you look like Stephen King. I was like, how the fuck am I supposed to react to that, dude? They 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 said you look like Stephen King? Yeah. Yeah. Really? People. Multiple. Huh. Endless. They said you look like Stephen King. Yeah. That's I'm just like, whatever, dick. You I, look like yeah. a dick. <laughs> was it really an ins- uh, that much of an insult? I mean, have you seen him? <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely not, a lot he's better not looking. Oh, thanks, Dan. Man, no, I I definitely blush. do think that. I, I really do think that. I, I do think oh, you're thanks. better looking than Stephen King. <laughs> um, and he can take that to the bank. <laughs> see, people used to tell me that I look like Billy Corgan, and then because huh. <laughs> I had a zero shirt. <laughs> oh, oh I was a zero. <laughs> Actually, I never owned a zero shirt, but I do think oh. I do think the zero shirt was a conspiracy. I think that he was predicting the future of cola drinks. Oh wow. You know, zero sugar and all that stuff. That's yeah. what I think he was doing. That was his agenda. Oh. Billy Corgan is responsible for the diet soft drink industry past 1995. There's the diet soda industry before 1995 and after 1995. Billy Corgan is responsible for 95 onward. Wow. Yeah. Well, we figured that out. Let's review out. some records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we that's come on everybody, it's record time. So I am number one here. So Numero the, Uno. Numero Uno. Uh the album that I picked is from the group Quasi. Um, and it's called Breaking the Balls of History, which is, in my opinion, one of the greatest titles. <laughs> I've ever heard. I think that's fantastic. So Quasi has been around for a while and it is the duo of Sam Coombs, who is a multi-instrumentalist who has worked with Built to Spill, which everyone who has listened to this podcast has probably heard me talk about my love for that band. Uh, one of my favorites. And then uh, Janet Weiss, uh, who is the former drummer of Slater Kenny and who I think is a powerhouse drummer. And uh, I honestly think that if you have not gone back and listened to about two or three Slater Kenny records um, with her playing drums, then you should, and you would see why uh, I think she's just a fantastic drummer. Anyway, the thing I really like about this record is how fun it sounds. Um, it it sounds fun, but then I also kind of want to follow that up with, not only does it sound like they're having fun playing the music, but there also is kind of this somewhat impeding sense of doom in the subject matter or maybe the content a little bit. Because um, the songs do thematically touch on some pretty dark subjects about politics and kind of the state of the world that we're living in. I think it's 
pretty reactive to a lot of the stuff that's going on. This record was recorded, I believe, during the pandemic. So it is a pandemic, or at least at least it was written during the pandemic. I'm not sure if it was actually recorded during then. So, I mean, I, it, I think it's just a reflection of the um, a lot of the frustrations that were being felt uh, during that time, which, I mean, there, there was a lot to be frustrated about around that time. Uh, but also, I just think the songs are just really, really good. The, the backbone of this group basically is, for the most part, Sam plays the keyboard and then uh, Janet plays the drums. And so it kind of has like that sort of, you know, keyboard drum duo thing that's sort of become a, a really big thing fairly recently, I think, in the indie rock world. I think um, it wouldn't be too f- much of a stretch to say that Mates of State and uh, Matt and Kim may have been influenced by this group. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, they do, I think, do a little bit of a different take on it. But I also think, in my knowledge, they're kind of one of the earliest bands to sort of do that aesthetic because I believe they've been around since the mid-90s. I also think that while it does touch on some dark themes, there also is kind of a sense of hope as well. It's almost like, I don't know, the best way that I would describe it is it's it almost plays like a an audio equivalent of like a dark comedy or something. I think the sounds are very interesting. There are times where... I legitimately can't tell. Um, and I think I think he means to do it this way if he's playing a guitar or keyboard because I feel like he kind of plays the keyboard as if it's a guitar. Um, there's some really cool sounds, some really cool, like, um, I think a little bit of an experimentation with um, noise a little bit. So sometimes it kind of goes into like, it's not pure noise because there's still always a song structure underneath it. So, you know, like little sparse indicators of noise, uh, you know, somewhere between like Fagazi and Unwound maybe a little bit. Um, and the the voice really does remind me of sort of the quirkiness of like Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse or... Doug Marsh from Built to Spill. Um, And I know that's kind of a, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's an obvious reference just because I just mentioned that Sam Coombs has worked with Built to Spill, but it really does give me that kind of a feeling or, you know, that kind of a vibe, I should say. But yeah, I think it's a very interesting uh, record. And I think the songs are, are very good. And um, in my opinion, some of the best songs on here are Long Last Laugh and uh, Rotten Rock, Nowheresville, and Losers, which is the last track, is phenomenal. Basically, um, the stuff that this reminds me of is is Built to Spill, uh, Super Chunk, and that uh, the group that we reviewed a while back called The Aquarium reminds me a lot of that. Kind of has that sort of feel to it, or even something like Modest Mouse. Yeah, I just think this is a really, really... Um, great indie rock record and you know if you're into any of the stuff that i mentioned um i think you dig it uh what did you think eric quasi breaking the balls of history i loved it i really 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 loved it i thought it was super cool it was super fun 
really inventive, just kind of strange overall. Like, I guess indie rock is what they would sort of fit into. But yeah, it reminded me of of stuff I used to listen to that was like really fun <laughs> back when I liked fun music. But yeah, it's really silly at times, but also kind of dark. It's really uh, simple a lot of times, but also really grand. You know, like it's not afraid to get sort of epic and a little theatrical, actually a lot theatrical. But yeah, it's super like goofy in its own way, but not in a bad way, but just in a like irreverent way. Overall, yeah, the vocals I thought sounded quite a bit like um, the singer from Tripping Daisy, who I didn't Mm. take the time to look up their name. Uh, And every once in a while, uh, the drummer will join in and do sort of a harmonized vocal. And at those times, it sounds a lot like uh, Timbuk3, which is a band I think is really cool, at least conceptually uh and a lot of times sound wise but they don't get a lot of credit uh because they're also pretty goofy but yeah great songs uh really smart arrangements really fun instrumentation yeah the theatrical element of it, it it really works its way into almost everything that happens on the album i just loved it it was uh one of my favorite things i've heard this year actually i mean it just it took me back to a time, like I said, when I really enjoyed super fun, slightly goofy, irreverent, energetic music. So yeah, I, I don't know what else to add to it other than, you know, it's one of my favorite things I've heard this year. I can't really say much more than that. Uh, things that it reminded me of, though, um, this is a weird one, but also one of my favorite, I don't know, favorite groups. Uh uh, the presidents of the United States of America, oh, especially yeah. especially uh, the second record, uh, two it's called uh, fittingly, and uh, so that's it's kind of along those lines. If you listen to that, you can hear some of those elements in there. They're not afraid of really kind of like grandiose subject matters or just completely inane silly subject matters the music's kind of similar and it's rock based but goes wherever it wants uh other things like i already said tripping daisy and not just vocally also in the music with that uh that sort of tension for going kind of theatrical and harder and epic than maybe the songs even call for uh flaming lips devo Ben Folds, as far as like the song writing, I think there's some similarities there where the irreverence is sort of the core of the songs um, of Montreal, as far as some of the sonic territory they cover. And then as far as approach and even some of the sounds, I also heard uh, some raining sound in there. So those are all really awesome things. (laughs) And I heard all of those in this record and i just now kind of looked through their back catalog and i realized i have a lot to catch up on so this is uh i don't even know how many records they have it looks like i don't know 100 maybe Uh, (laughs) but no quite a few and so that's exciting uh i should also point out that janet weiss is the one of the main characters in rocky horror picture show so (laughs) anyway (laughs) 
<laughs> different Janet Weiss. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, but no, I loved it. I really loved it. And I, I have a lot to listen to. So yeah, good pick. All right. So my pick is uh, the CIA. Uh, the record is called Surgery Channel, and I'm pretty sure it came out this year. So uh, I've been listening to this record for a little while now, uh, and I finally decided to just talk about it since I feel I already put my time in listening. Um, yeah, the CIA, uh, they're from L.A., which I've always considered sort of cheating. Um, <laughs> L.A. or New York. It's kind of like, yeah, that. but could you make it in Iowa? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Come give it a try, yeah. fucker. They had a leg up anyway, because Ty Seagal is in this group. Uh, so it's double cheating. Yeah. And uh, Danae Seagal is the singer. And then another member called Emmett Kelly, who is a famous clown. Uh, but I don't think this is that Emmett Kelly. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is uh what what is this? It's uh really eclectic electronic rock. Definitely rock. Yeah. Um sometimes it's really fun, sometimes it's pretty dark. It's very extremely angular. Like uh I don't know if there's another word that could describe it, honestly. It's also noisy and fuzzy, but not really like Ty Seagal psychedelic type noisy and fuzzy this is like clipping diode buzz it's like really mechanical buzz uh and it's overall very like frantic uh feeling very out of control the vocals cover all kinds of styles i think um like some of it's shouted some of it's like kind of cool and laid back some of it's like cutesy, which I don't really enjoy that kind of singing very much, but that's okay. And then sometimes Danae gets into like guttural, like grunge singing. And uh, I don't know a lot about the kind of like uh, female fronted grunge bands as much as Dan might, but I definitely know that it sounds like someone I've heard. Basically, the music's, for the most part, made up of electronic or highly affected drums, highly produced drums, gated, I don't know. But I kind of think they're electronic. And then a lot of times it's a drum machine, I think, too, or programmed at least, or maybe a combination. The rhythms are super straight, not to say they're simple, but there's not a lot of polyrhythms and other things explored. Yeah, really splattery sort of synth bass is uh what most of the songs have and then like highly fuzzy guitars over the top like like uh jack white level fuzzy guitars but yeah so overall i i kind of find it hard to pinpoint exactly what this is it's like early electronic music like uh like really early like the kind of proto new wave kind of stuff like the normal who only has a couple songs but their song warm leatherette is like uh super important to that kind of music and it very much is like what this is uh but yeah overall i found it super fun like i said every once in a while the vocals get into this kind of cutesy place that 
I don't know. It doesn't really do it for me. But yeah, otherwise it's like really rock oriented. The guitars are like lots of guitar solos and really rock playing type guitar solos. Not quite into like hair metal or something, but very stylized rock guitar. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. It's um, early kind of electronic synth music, but with a rock edge to it. Things that it reminded me of, uh, Daisy Chainsaw, as far as vocally and approach, sort of. Uh, Trans Am, definitely. I mean, with the synths uh, and how they approach using the synthesizers, which is basically just to hold down the bottom end and provide sort of a scaffolding sort of for the rest of the music. There's not a lot of synth leads. I don't know. It's not like a synth record. Uh, It just has a synth on it. Uh, A weird one that came to mind was Queens of the Stone Age, which if you listen to this, you're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? But sort of just like how stripped down it is and sort of the approach as far as melody goes uh, and how the guitars are approached, which is overwhelmingly fuzzy and in your face to the point that, I mean, it, it like clips out, you know, like it's almost glitchy in how fuzzy it is. Uh, as far as like the programming or electronic drums or the drums or whatever and sort of the song structures, Romeo Void came to mind. And like I said already, the normal, kind of a mixed bag of what what probably influenced all this, but what comes out is a very sort of stripped down, succinct musical idea. And I, I think it it's pretty fun to listen to, although it does get pretty dark sometimes too. So, but yeah, I, I think we're sort of on a fun kick this week, apparently, and um, this fits in just fine. So what'd you think, Dan? Yeah, um, I think this album was a blast to listen to for sure. So it's funny because I actually texted Eric after he sent me this pick and this was actually possibly going to be my pick as well. So I got super excited when I saw that you picked this because I also have been listening to this pretty much since the beginning of the year. Um, So it's Mm -hmm. been a couple of months. So this has been or a few months, I guess. I can't remember when this came out. And mm-hmm. I randomly discovered this by looking up new releases coming out in 2023. And the CIA, that name just caught my attention. And little did I know that it was a, another Ty Seagal project. Mm-hmm. Here's what's interesting, Eric, is hmm. if... Now, I could be wrong, but I thought I read somewhere that Ty Seagal is actually playing bass and and that there's actually no guitar that I think it's two basses that really? are making the noise. Oh. I believe so. I believe Ty Seagal and um, the Emmett, Emmett Kelly, I believe they're playing bass. And uh, so wow. uh, I, could be, okay. I could be wrong, but I do believe that I read that somewhere. Well, um, that, that could explain the guitar tone. <laughs> absolutely, because it's really, really heavy. Like yeah. really, especially uh-huh. for Ty Seagal. Like this is, so anyone who's familiar with Ty Seagal, he's got a million and one albums. He's got a million and one musical projects. He's in another band called Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Um, he puts out several i mean he's one of these like 
you know, one of these artists that puts out several records a year, it seems like. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff going on. This is kind of a um, a step outside of the typical, I don't want it, typical is not really a good way to put it, but, uh, you know, um, the usual Ty Seagal musical mm-hmm. landscape, I guess. Like, I was really... I kind of was surprised by this, but at the same time, a lot of his um, more recent solo albums have been incorporating synths a lot more. So he's kind of been interested in, I think, something in this direction for quite some time. Yeah, the best way that I can describe this, I mean, I think you you said it all, Eric. It's To me, this is like electronic garage punk rock. So it really mm-hmm. kind of just sounds like sort of like an electronic version of what you'd hear from some of those recent Ty Seagal records. But also I think that there's something more going on here because I do think it's got a, to me anyway, it's got a pretty heavy industrial sort of feel to it. And a lot of that is just the feeling of the drums. Like you said, the vocals are very um, sporadic. They kind of go a lot of different places. Sometimes she does this, um, spoken word kind of thing um that you know where she's sort of doing this yelling sometimes she does this um she does kind of sing which you know um as you mentioned uh, maybe harkens back to some of the 90s female fronted grunge bands Mm -hmm. um but yeah for the most part i would i would call this straightforward electro punk yeah, I think it makes sense that Ty Seagal is involved in something like this too, because one of the things about Ty Seagal is he he came from sort of the I hate using garage rock revival underground thing, but that's kind of kind of the same place that like uh, Jay Riotard was coming from, mm-hmm. you know, like that sort of scene of like the early like burger records and in the red records and stuff like that. Um, the oblivions comes to mind, mm-hmm. you know, early black, black lips and stuff like that. That's kind of where Ty Seagal came from. And that's what a lot of his early stuff sounded like, but he's definitely been venturing towards, I think a lot more different sounds and has been really experimenting with sort of analog and probably digital electronics as well. I, I'm assuming that a lot of this was digital um, synthesizers, but I also think there's probably some analog stuff going on here as well, like the drum programming. But it he's always shown an interest in synthesizers. So I think it's really, it, it makes sense that he's involved in something like this. I think the parts one and two of the title track surgery channel are amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're just, that's probably hands down my two favorite things on this record. Now, as far as the stuff that this reminded me of, well, I'm going to say Ty Seagal because um, like I said, some of his more recent solo records have kind of veered in a direction somewhat like this. Uh, But I'm going to say Trans Am, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. Um, I would say some of the drum programming reminds me of Big Black. Yeah. I don't think the um, the music itself necessarily reminds me of Big Black. I think it's a little more straightforward than, than they were. Uh, but I definitely see the angular aspect of it. I would also say um, Men's Recovery Project. Mm-hmm. 
And then I would also say there's a, a huge element of like X-ray specs, especially yeah. in the vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think who this, her voice, when she, when she was doing the screaming guttural stuff, it really reminded me of Babes in Toyland. Yeah. A lot in Seven Year Bitch. Yeah. There also was sort of this blondie element to it as well. Sometimes her uh-huh. vocals reminded me of Debbie Harry a little bit. And mm-hmm. that's what I think was also added to the sort of the um, the fun aspect of this is that I think that her vocal range made, made it a very interesting listen. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, I think the music was very straightforward and um, you did get a lot of like noise. You did get a lot of, you know, angular guitar parts, but some of it was very repetitive, almost like, and not in a bad way, but almost like in a kraut rock mm-hmm. way. You know what I mean? Sort of, yeah. obviously it's not kraut rock, but you know, uh, her vocals added like, almost like, like it was almost, it was almost like she was doing like notes over the music with her voice, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, I think that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think it added like a whole other like instrument sort of, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was great. This is, um, and also, I mean, I think if you're into like nine inch nails and kill altars and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, some of the industrial stuff, I think that this would probably have your back as well. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So the local pick this week keep it local is from greg wheeler and the polymall cops and they're from des moines um the name of the record is manic fever and i didn't realize that it actually polymall is like polygamist mall cops mm-hmm. so i always kind of wondered what the poly mall cops was you know because i kind of i've heard of this band but i never really you know looked into them until we decided to review this. So the band is consisting of Greg Wheeler, Jill McLean Meiser, I think, and a guy named Hutch. In my estimation, this is really manic um, in a very good way, high energy, garage punk, um, and it has a slight psychedelic edge. The songs are generally really fast um, and straight to the point, uh, sick guitar tones and effects, I mean, the bass is very present, um, plays the rhythm very well, and the drums are just awesome. There's almost like this shuffle element to some of it that I think is very cool. Um, kind of like a um, a choppy element too, which I think adds to like the intensity of it. I think it's very tight and well-written, um, well-performed. Greg has a very slight quirkiness to his voice and it has sort of this i hope this doesn't sound bad but i think this is a good thing so i mean it as a compliment but has this nasally quality to it that just adds to the music if that makes any sense um and it kind of reminds me of jay reotard and i think that you know this record kind of reaches levels of intensity and also beauty that a lot of his records did back in the day. But I think that this, this record is just really fun and 
you know, really intense. Um, like I said, there's just, there's no messing around. The songs are just straight to the point, generally very short. And um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I love the song, Nothing. Um, the title track is awesome, Itch. But I mean, the whole damn thing is fantastic. Um, stuff that it reminds me of, uh, well, Jay Riotard and Ty Seagal a little bit. But also, um, I hear a little bit of Os Mutantes, which that's not to be confused with Os Mutantes. It's um, Os Mutants, I believe it's pronounced. Hmm. And they're this Australian punk rock band. Um, and it's spelled A-U-S-M-U-T-E-A-N-T-S, just to clarify. This sounds a lot like that. Um, why Bother? You remember Why Bother, Eric, and how cool that, yeah. that group was? Fantastic stuff. But also, um, there's sort of a pop punk side to this thing in my mind as well. So I'm hearing a little bit of like, Green Day or Mr. T experience, or maybe even something like the hives, which I mean, I guess the hives is not really pop punk. They're kind of more of a garage punk type thing, mm -hmm. but yeah, that, that's totally what this stuff reminds me of. I think it's, it's got like a, like I said, um, some really cool effects. The songs are great. Um, and I bet this band is a blast to see live. Mm -hmm. Uh, what'd you think, Eric? Yeah. Uh, I, I love this too. Like it, it was a, good week for fun music which um you know i think that our show we kind of go in waves i think sometimes it's like oh we listen to is doom metal you know? <laughs> yeah yeah but it's like after a couple of weeks of that it's like we need a break you know and so i think yeah i think this week all together is like just just about fun so if you want to have fun need some new summer records these are some pretty good options but yeah, Greg Wheeler and the Poly Mall Cops. I always thought Poly meant uh, polyamorous. So who knows, I guess, unless they said it was polygamist. <laughs> yeah, know. well, that's that's what I read. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, right. that's actually what I read is I'll double check that no, to make okay. sure. But <laughs> I, I was just telling you my what I figured. But, and you know. that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'll double check it. But anyway, <laughs> well, it means they're sleeping with multiple people, regardless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it is. It's Greg Wheeler, the, and the polygamist mall cops. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, right yeah. Here. Like Dan said, uh, I don't know if you use this word specifically, but I panicky is what I came up with. There you That's go. My main descriptor: uh, panicky, surfy, garage, psych punk. Yeah, that's what I'd call it. Super energetic, noisy, but controlled. I mean, it's not it's not noise music. It's not harsh noise. It's noise within the confines of uh, of songs and really cool songs at that. Um, has a strange vibe to it. Like uh, there's a strangeness to the whole thing. There's a sort of sleaziness to the whole thing too. Uh, I think it's just I, the way things move. They're just kind of slinky. I don't know how else to describe that. Um, but yeah, uh, I it's like really just super fun. Yeah, garage kind of, well, I already said all that, psych punk. Um, but yeah, really cool guitar effects. The playing itself is really wild uh, on the guitars, especially. It's like, it, it, it feels really precarious. Like it feels like 
they're going to wipe out in any second. And not because of any shortcomings in their playing, just because the songs are so exacting yet super fast and also just wild. I mean, the, the playing is pretty wild. Um, but yeah, the, the bass and drums keep it really solid and moving and, and energetic. Yeah, like Dan said, the vocals are pretty similar to Jay Retard. Sometimes gets into the sort of effects and delay elements of uh, the OCs. But yeah, it's, this is pretty straightforward stuff as far as this kind of music, but I don't want that to sound like it's not exciting or interesting or different. It absolutely is. But I think if you like this other this kind of music, this is perfect and you're going to love it. Um, and like Dan said, I, I have not seen them play and I would love to. Um, I, I bet it's super fun. It also looked like maybe uh, the poly mall cops have been numerous different people over time. So I don't know if Greg Wheeler is the is the is the constant member. So that's interesting too. Things that reminded me of uh Jay Retard, the OCs, uh King Kong and the barbecue show a little bit, TV repairman, and maybe like the Australian uh psych stuff like satanic togas or whatever, or what was mm. that other one we checked out? Cherry cheeks. Cherry cheeks, um, yep. Yeah. So stuff like that. I, and it does it really well i think what it what this brings to the table that maybe the other stuff doesn't is is that sense of wildness it really feels like pretty out of control it, it feels like someone captured a wild animal i don't know how else to say it it's like someone hit record and just it's like a field recording of an out of control musical situation i don't know how else to say it but uh super fun and yeah, I loved it, and I can't wait to see him play. So, fantastic stuff, man! I um, go out there and catch a show if you can. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I know they've been touring and they've been uh, working pretty hard because I, you know, I see their name um, constantly, mm -hmm. and so it, you know, there's a lot of really hardworking bands from Iowa these days, man. Oh yeah, it's pretty amazing, you know, to see that stuff you know, happening, mm -hmm. you know, cause I've been seeing like, I know death kill overdrive. They've been on the road, mm -hmm. um, basketball divorce court. I've been seeing them all over the place. I've been seeing, yeah. you know, Greg Wheeler and the polymall cops, Moscow puzzles are getting out there, man. Nice. Um, haploid has been playing a lot lately. Yeah. I guess I just saw where haploid's going to be coming out with a new record. Uh, well, they're, they're recording a new record. Nice. And so, yeah, man. And I see that Closet Witch is recording. Cool. So they're going to be coming out with a, well, I mean, they still haven't released their second record yet. Mm -hmm. We'll see what goes on there. Did you see the uh, that Molly busted her eye at a show? Mm -hmm. I saw the eye patch. Yeah. I think I saw a picture the other day of her bloody eye. Yep. Well, That's, you know, they're pretty out of control on stage. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it took this long to receive a serious injury. To receive any kind of injury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, man, I'll tell you what, Closet Witch is, an, is a live experience to not fuck with. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, God, it's been so long since I've been to a show, though. 
Yeah. Anyway, I keep saying that, but it's irrelevant. I'm but, I'm a boomer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Kidding. It's okay. Boomer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? Boomer take. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I brought uh, a very low sort of tired energy to this episode. <laughs> I, feel, I don't think so. I feel really bad. I um I did I... fall asleep at one point. Um... <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, but... it's not you. <laughs> it's me. Well, it's, it's the clock. It's the dang clock. Yeah. It doesn't work the way I want it to. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're uh, doing some stuff later today, right? Yeah, I'm going down to South Park. Going to meet some friends of mine. <laughs> Is that where you're going? Yeah. No, I'm going to Muscatine. Hooray! Oh gosh, that's 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 a visit. Hey, did you know that there's a popcorn place now? No. <laughs> Pearl, Pearl City Popcorn. Actually, it's been oh. there for like three years now or oh. something. But you can get ice cream there wow. from. Heinz ice cream or Hanes or whatever from Iowa City. Oh, that's good stuff. It's very good stuff. And yeah, they have like six flavors that oh, they yeah. ship down, but then they also make a bunch of different like popcorns. Huh. Like, yeah. Good oh, stuff. Dang. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, it no, is. I'm, I'm just going to visit my folks. Actually, my dad's having a poker game and they needed a sub. So that's what I'm doing. Oh, where are you getting Playing the subs some- from? No, they needed a substitute. <laughs> oh my God, you got me! That's how tired I am. I'm just like, uh, I guess Dan's dumb. I was gonna say, usually, <laughs> usually <laughs> I'm the one that's usually I'm the one that that is that, that falls for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually get you. Have you? I I feel, I'm sure I've asked you this every episode, but have you watched Saturday Morning All Star Hits no. on Netflix? Nope. He did tell yeah. me to listen to watch it though. And I Dude, didn't. There's only there's six episodes, but I, I gotta tell you, man, the reason why I brought it up has to do with subs. Hmm. Because anytime there's a problem in the show, like I don't know, the world's gonna end. They're like, what do we do about it? Subs. <laughs> and then the world gets like, you know. Wow. saved by the fact that this guy holds up a bag of subs that's yeah. why you're saved by the subs <laughs> saved by the subs oh, uh what did we learn today i mean we learned a lot about billy corgan yeah we learned that i don't know billy corgan is what did we learn about billy corgan wanna go for a ride the history of the soft drink diet soft drink industry oh, yeah. post 1995 yeah uh, yeah, the yeah. zero sugar that he was, you know, <laughs> he he was predicting yeah. on his t-shirts. Yeah, uh, we learned that though I like their music, I I personally don't think a lot of Kurt Cobain. <laughs> hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure is going to get me in all kinds of trouble, but. He just doesn't seem very nice. And I don't know why I have to well, act like he does the way he is. <laughs> I sort of, I sort of like, I do see where you're coming from. It did seem, I, I don't know if you've ever read Come As You Are, the story of Nirvana by Michael uh-huh. Azarad. Um, there was one time where I, 
I guess that he um, did sign on to like get like 90% of the royalties or something. But I think the record label probably talked him into it, you know, because, mm-hmm. oh, Kurt Cobain is the principal songwriter. So then like Chris and Dave were kind of getting screwed, I guess, hmm. uh, a little bit. But I don't know. Um, I have heard that there were things that Kurt Cobain did that were less than desirable but who knows you know none of us really know what actually happened because none of us were actually there you know that's true but i figure if people can blindly uh love him and Mm -hmm. uh you know think that he's a really nice cool guy uh, without actually knowing him then i can think the opposite without actually knowing him. no absolutely i mean (laughs) we're both equally ill-informed so people people yeah exactly exactly and people do that with Billy Corgan without really knowing the full state. Yeah, everyone, it's like everyone, the opposite for him, though. <laughs> well, everyone's always saying, I, I know one of the big things that people talk about is um, how supposedly on Siamese Dream, he insisted on playing all of the uh, bass and guitar parts so that James Ehan Darcy didn't play on any of it. Wow. And you know what, though? Here's the thing. People seem to have a problem with that, but they don't seem to have a problem with like, now this is another connection to, uh, to uh, Kurt Cobain, but Dave Grohl did the same thing with like the color and the shape by the Foo Fighters. Hmm. William Goldsmith from Sunny Day Real Estate laid down drum parts, and then uh, Dave Grohl went in and redid his parts, and then kicked him out of the band through a phone call. Wow, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that kind of st- my point wow. is is right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, that kind of stuff happens in the music industry all yeah. the time. It's not like it should be surprising that like Billy Corgan, who obviously, regardless of what you think of him, he's a fantastic musician, fantastic mm-hmm. guitar player, fantastic songwriter, I think even, you know? And, but it's like that kind of stuff happens. What, you know, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong, but you know, yeah, that well, that stuff a, happens. It's a business. It's, it's not, a business. It's yeah. not like this is art or anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no such thing as art. Did you know that? Uh-uh. No, yeah, I didn't realize. I found that out. There's no such thing as art. It, it doesn't yeah. exist. It's a hmm. it's a um, societal myth. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. So, I yeah. mean, you got nothing to lose. It doesn't even exist. Go out there and create whatever you want. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's not even real. It's not real. We're, we live in a simulation. Um, and uh-huh. that's it. That's the end of the day. All right. I guess that's what we learned. That's what we art, learned. Art is a myth. Art doesn't exist. That's what we learned. And I guess that's it. It's all about business. Give Get out the there business. and give you the business. Get your monies. Yeah. Yeah. Go watch uh, Wall Street. <laughs> Um, <laughs> or the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, or maybe Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Go out uh-huh. there and close some deals. Yeah. Give yeah. the world the business. Yeah. <laughs> Give them the business. Yeah. The big business. The big business. Big business. Hmm. Okay, well, right. <laughs> I think that that's a, that's a good place to end. Yeah. We, anytime yeah. we say big business, that's the end of the show. That's the end of the show. 
Thanks wow. for listening, everybody. <laughs> if you want to give us uh, more advice on how to, uh, you know, destroy art, <laughs> please contact us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, bye. Oh, yeah, bye. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> Sorry, fell asleep again. Death in famous individuals and. How-